If you would like to support the podcast and get some extra content while you're there, head on over to patreon.com forward slash severe MMA podcast and sign up. From the rewatch to the Q&A, we will have loads of content every week. So sign up, patreon.com forward slash severe MMA podcast. And now, here's the podcast. Graham McDonald is an idiot. Sean Sheehan of severemma.com. He even has the audacity to call himself the quote-unquote pod god. This is Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. The Severe MMA podcast is finally here. Welcome to the Severe MMA podcast. Here's your host, Sean Sheehan. Welcome, welcome everybody. It's episode 405 of the Severe MMA podcast. I feel like that's a road in America or something. I think. Anyway, my name is Sean Sheehan, joined today by the John Dutton of Irish MMA media, Graham McDonald, as we talk about, oh, maybe one of the biggest nights in UFC history. Last night, as Ian Gary won again. Yes, go on, Ian Gary. But John Jones, Valentina Shachinko, Alexa Grasso, all of that. Oh, wow, what a night. Oh, what a night indeed. And we'll get into all of that maybe a little oh, bit. Oh, what a night. Late back in 63. I haven't sang in the podcast in a while, actually. I've been doing it, so fair play. Anyway, before we get into all of that, we must tell you that this episode of the podcast is brought to you by our friends over at Manscaped. And what a year it's been so far. You know, we've had the new year. We've had Valentine's Day. We've had it all. And Paddy's Day is coming up now as well. And you know what? Everyone's kind of, we're getting back out there. We're going out for a few drinks. We're going out for a bit of crack. And you know, you need to be groomed properly, especially if you're young, free and single going out there, as I know a lot of our listeners are. So you need to head over to manscaped.com and use that promo code SEVEREMMA to get 20% off and free shipping. You're going to be looking absolutely brilliant with absolutely new, beautiful pubes on you. Do you know what you need to get as well? You need to get that performance package 4.0. In it, you'll find the signature lawnmower 4.0, the advanced skin safe technology, uh, reduces cuts and nicks on your delicate parts. It also comes equipped with the 4000K LED spotlight that will shine a light absolutely everywhere so you can get it done brilliantly a grooming routine isn't complete without the crop preserver and crop reviver as well um they are the liquid formulations that take care of the smelliest part of your body and boost your confidence and to complete the set manscaped through in the shed travel bag and anti-chafing boxer briefs as free gifts to keep your goodies stored and comfortable i know all the lads talk about those boxer briefs they're absolutely brilliant. There's actually just a pair up behind me here on my wall, so they're they're uh, they've been there for a while. They're still looking good. Uh, and uh, if if you uh, if you really want to make it a night to remember, if you really want to make it uh, a year to remember, try out Manscaped's um, uh, Ultra Premium Body Wash Two in One Shampoo, as well as the Body Deodorant, which are absolutely fantastic. The two, you know the the, the Two in One. It's always brilliant. It's always brilliant. I love it getting into the shower. It's so handy. These products are absolutely perfect for you, and you need to check them out. Go over manscaped.com and uh, and get them right now, and you can get 20% off and free shipping with the code severemanscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. Use the promo code severemma. John Jones will do it. John, jo- John Jones... 
would definitely sign up over at Manscaped. He needs it. That man's always out in the town. I'm sure if you're out in the town now, after, after what happened on Saturday night, so I'll sign up. Twins He's snap. probably still up. He probably is free shipping. We were, I'm nearly fucking still up. It's, it was it was a late one last night, but uh, yeah, twenty percent off free shipping. Manscaped.com. Use a promo code Severe MMA. Right, Graham. Let's get straight into it here. Um, oh, I, I honestly, I I don't know where to start. I, I, it was one of those nights where it was. Usually, we actually talked about this last week, maybe two weeks ago, where a lot of the prelims, even if they're good, they kind of you kind of half forget them or like there's no big jeopardy in them. This time it was a little bit different, obviously, with Ian Gary and there were some very, very good fights uh, on the on the prelims and on the early main card. The co-main event was obviously massive and we'll get to that in a second. But in the main event, it's like, uh, I, don't, I don't know if you stayed up and watched your grandma or not, but I was there at fucking half six in the, in the morning or six o'clock, whatever it was. And I was just like, what? That's it? The, the, the fight's over. And that's my genuine normal reaction. We'll get into everything that happened as well. But it just, we've, well, no, I'm sure John Jones doesn't feel this way or his fans and, and they shouldn't. But I just felt like half robbed of a fight. It was like everything we were expecting. We've talked about it so many, uh, for so long and how good this fight would be. I said it was one of the fights I was most looking forward to. The fight I was most looking forward to this year. And then we got like, I don't know, I'm, uh, I'm just looking here. Uh, two minutes and four seconds. I didn't think we got that much out. I was like 45 seconds but yeah I just uh, that was my initial reaction as I said we get into the rest of it I just felt like robbed of a fight I felt like we didn't have any fight and it was just over how did you feel what was your initial reaction to it well I actually didn't stay up for it I I watched it without knowing what happened in in the morning so uh yeah, uh, it was a different experience than you. I, I know that feeling where you've stayed up and you're kind of <laughs> you're waiting all night for something, and then it's just over quickly. So it's probably a little bit different for you, but for me, it was it was a little bit anticlimactic, but it was it was just uh, just an amazing performance from 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 John Jones after so long out, and you know, obviously uh, Cyril didn't look didn't look great in the in the grappling department, but. Uh, I kind of realized very early on in the fight that oh, John Jones is going to win this a lot easier than than I, I thought he was going to win it. Um, I don't know. Sometimes on, when you're watching the the, the fight, the, it kind of brings clarity even before the fight starts or at the very start of the fight or how it looks, uh, how the fight's going to go, when you're not really sure how it's going to go before. And yeah, I thought straight away, oh, John Jones is is going to win this. Cyril Gann looked a bit nervous. Uh, Jones was pushing him backwards. And, you know, uh, once he got the takedown, you know, Cyril did try to get up for a second. And you were like, oh, maybe he can get away. But then he easily got dumped again. And for me, I knew it was going to be over pretty quick after that. Obviously, the, the anticlimacticness of it, I think, was added to by the camera angle. Oh, yeah, my God. Oh, nice. There were so fucking seconds. Bad. There was only about two seconds. So you could actually see when it cut back before Cyril tapped where they cut back and then I'm like, oh, shit, he's, he's got this locked and Cyril's like grimacing badly and then he tapped. But we didn't have that angle for like the first, what, eight seconds of the choke or something. So when he had his hands locked together, so it kind of confused the commentators. The angle confused everybody, I think, and led to how anticlimactic it would have been for everybody. The... I, I, I'm glad you mentioned that because I was thinking about it last night. It's so many of the different fights. The camera angles, the production, I don't know who 
was new in there or what, but it was absolutely horrendous all night. Like, I give DC enough shit, but even, you know, when he was, like, writing with the yellow telestrator thing, they cut away, like, fucking three times. At one stage, Megan O'Leary was talking, and someone was talking, like, I don't know, Portuguese or something over the top of her. It was, like, all night. It was just absolutely horrendous, and they fluffed this man without a shadow of it. I think it was the Gamrat Jalen Turner fight as well. There was... Like, someone was about to go for a submission, they ended up getting it or whatever, but at the time they were going for it, they switched this, like, overhead camera. It looked like, you know, it looked like one of those, like, Eastern European fights where you're studying a guy's tape and you watch, like, his third fight on a show with seven people in the audience, like, and these lads trying to fucking, having a lad on a double ladder trying to, to, to record it. It was really, I couldn't believe it. I've never seen that from the UFC before, honestly. But anyway, back to the... Uh, back to the fight itself, I, I, yeah, I felt uh, I felt the same, and I like went back and watched uh, obviously the replays afterwards and stuff. He didn't necessarily even have the choke on for the whole eight seconds. He had it on, let it go, and then kind of got it back again. And we, we'll talk about the choke again in, in a second. But yeah, I, I like what you said there about kind of knowing what was going to happen before the fight. Honestly, I was the opposite, and I've I've often in the past said. You should never take those things into account or how they're talking or how they're, you know, their, their mindset. Because we don't know. And I was foolish enough to do it this time. And I tell you, I won't be doing it for a while. Is it? And I must say, Ian, Ian O'Neill was right. So I you know, 100% shout out to Ian for the previous show. He got it right. And I got it, like, totally wrong. I thought this would be a, a great almighty fight. And no, Ganya on the ground was just horrendous. But uh, there's, there's so many points to make here because we... And I think the biggest point here to make is we still don't know where John Jones actually is because we got so, you know, so such a small subset or such a small example of what heavyweight John Jones is like in 2023. And it, it makes it intriguing and exciting because the next time we're going to be exactly the same. We're like, oh, my God, I can't wait. Is John Jones going to be good? Is he going to be able to beat Stipe in a stand-up match, you know, over 25 minutes or whatever it might be? And I think that that's a good thing, not necessarily, but a thing we didn't really get last night. What we did get, I think, right... I think we got absolutely, well, not zero, but uh, less assurity from what anyone could have guessed a John Jones heavyweight title win would have given us in terms of where John Jones is in 2023. Didn't look bad or anything like that. But what we did get was how bad Cyril Ghani looked. He was awful. Just awful. Horrendous altogether. Like Jones comes in and he takes him down with a body lock, like Francis did all all the time. And like I said in the previous show, like there's no way John Jones gets into the same position and has the same amount of power. Like it was power takedowns that um, Francis took um, Cyril down with. Now I thought he might be able to take him down. No, but like John Jones did dump Daniel Cormier on his face in the first round of their first fight when they were when they're both fresh. Like he said he would. Like you know he's that's true. He's an extremely good wrestler. It's easy to forget how good he is in certain realms because he's so good everywhere, you know. <laughs> and obviously the timeout makes you makes you forget how good somebody is as well. And the fact that he's also fought to kind of uh, not the easiest route to victory in a lot of his fights. And in this one, you know, he, he said himself really his, his timing felt a bit goofy out there. And he just said, he just seemed to say, here, let me just get a hold of this guy and put him away. And once he did that, it was basically just over, and that's how that's how good John Jones is everywhere. Yeah. Really, like he's just phenomenal. Really, like he, he Cyril Gann just didn't even know what fucking hit him. Yeah, there was like I went back and I watched the uh, the Gann versus Ngannou fight, 
And Ngannou didn't take him down once with what you would call a traditional takedown. One, the first takedown was Gagne threw a really high kick over his head and he dumped him down and all the rest were body lock takedowns. So there was no double leg or single leg against the cage or anything like that. Um, they were all power. You grab onto the, the, his body and take him down. And like, if that happens to you, right? Fair enough. You, you maybe close that hole. You, you, that's a thing that you're never going to happen to you again. Yet within a fucking 30 seconds here, it's happened to him again. And he gets taken down by John Jones. Now it's very easy for me to say, and when you're in there against John Jones, but like Jones <laughs> is coming up the heavyweight and he is a natural heavyweight, a smaller guy. Uh, uh, Gagne is a natural heavyweight. And Jones is a, a slightly smaller guy than him. Like to get, to get taken down and just bullied the way he did by Jones was a real bad sign for where he's grappling is um, at the top level of that division. And the fact as well that Jones was kind of just like heavy on him. We heard said, heard Carmia saying it. Jones is just trying to be heavy on his hips. And like that was kind of quite obvious. And Gagne had absolutely no answer for it whatsoever. And then I thought it was worse even because he got to the knees as he did against Francis. He got to the cage. And then Jones tried to jump to the back. And as Jones was kind of falling off the back, I don't know if Gagne thought he was further away from the fence, or sorry, closer to the fence than he actually was. And I think it might have been the corner as well. Because when he kind of turned to get his back to the fence, it wasn't there because he was kind of on the pivot of that corner. And he ended up kind of falling on his arse slash, kind of drug down to his arse by John Jones, which was, look, when you go back and look at it, it's like, oh my God, how the fuck did he I, end I, I up there? I think Jones kind of turned him into that position. Yeah, like, he did in a way. But kinda, like, he, yeah, he, but it was clumsy in fairness. Yeah, yeah, he definitely moved himself to try to get his back to the cage, but was like so flummoxed. You know, you kind of said it there a second ago. He, he just looked... He looked dazed from the start of the fight and it just wasn't in you know, it whatsoever. And he, do you know what? The same thing happened in the Nganu fight and I kind of put it down to him being wary about the power and then he got into the fight in the second and third rounds and, and things after that. But yeah, and then, uh, then Jones tapped him with the guillotine straight after. What what did you think of, of the guillotine? I have thoughts on it, but I'm interested to know what you think. Well, I think it was locked in. I think he definitely tapped quickly, but I, I do think it was locked in. I think he's, you know... He's never been dominated like that and, you know, probably never been joked like that. And he just, you know, didn't know what was going on and tapped and, you know, experience in those positions. Maybe he would have been able to, you know, uh, last longer or even fight out of it. But uh, he just didn't seem to have the experience in those positions to to not panic and tap. Yeah, uh, that's yeah. I, I would, I would, I didn't agree with that. Like the fact that Jones had kind of half a guillotine, and then he let it go, and then he got it straight back in as like a real bad sign for where his jujitsu was. I think like uh, it reminded me of Habib versus Justin Gaethje, and you know Habib said before. Remember, he's like, oh, I didn't want to knock him out or whatever because his family were there. He was just playing with him because it was so easy because he'd such an advantage on the ground, and I think. He didn't necessarily play with him here because it was so quickly, but he could just do what he wanted. He could let it go, get it back in. And I, I was talking to a couple of BJJ players about it. And, you know, they all seem to say, and, and I think it was Barry Ogles, we said it to me on Twitter before, if it's choking you, it's choking you. And it doesn't matter what it looks like. or doesn't matter, And I, I 100% understand that. And that, that's what we had here. But also, like, you're in a heavyweight tile fight at the top level, and we have to talk about you in that. Like, these are the, the toughest, hardest... Um, should be the most well-rounded fighters in the history of the planet, and you're tapping to like, uh, 
a windpipe choke, kind of a front choke after about a quarter of a second. It's like mm, I don't know about that, man. Now come on, <laughs> I don't, I don't know about that. I just, yeah. I think it was longer than than it seemed because of the camera angle, but it was quick. You know, it it seemed yeah. so quick because the camera angle only showed us like two seconds before he tapped. But yeah, I think it was quick, but it seemed quicker because because of the camera angle. But you know, we've seen John Jones make people look stupid many times you know he went out there against shogun as a as a kid you know as the youngest ever uh when he became the youngest ever champion and he just destroyed him from from bell to to the end like you know we, we've seen him choke machido unconscious and drop him like a bag of potatoes like uh, in a standing gear you know this guy has extra uh squeeze or technique or his limbs are just perfect for these chokes it seems you know and even you know he's just an absolute freak uh of mma like and he's he's just unbelievable and you know zero gan just hadn't experienced being in those like you know his wins are good wins in the ufc's uh zeros but they're nowhere near john jones's wins you know they're yeah john jones has been in there with the with the who's who and you know john jones didn't even really look in shape i don't know how seriously he took this he just you know he saw this as a one-sided beating, and that's what it was. I don't know if he actually, you know, even put in that much effort. Yeah, that's the thing. That's That's the thing that I felt we were a little bit robbed of as well to find that out. I suppose, but maybe it's the thing we'll see in in the future. But you're right on the choke, and like as I said, it, it, it's a choke we don't really see ever. To be honest, like it, it was like kind of you know those ten finger chokes we see a while, but it wasn't a ten finger choke, and it wasn't really a guillotine either. It was it was it was definitely weird, but as you said, like John Jones does things and chokes people in a way like that he has never seen before. What was it? Well, I don't know. There was one of the fights, and it was it the Machida fight where he was like, "Yeah, no, I kind of I've never really done that before." And at, at the time, you're thinking like, "Ah, yeah, what are you talking about? Bullshit!" But then everyone, I think it was Brian Stan, was on with Joe Rogan for, and he was like, "He hadn't. He like, <laughs> like this guy is like barely turned up for uh, jujitsu practice and all of this." And you know, yeah, it's it's such weird because like. I'm glad you said it there about him probably not having like prepared and not being in, in shape and everything like that because I saw a lot of people are saying oh he's definitely added muscle and that but he's John Jones was always a muscular enough guy he's been out for fucking three years <laughs> putting on you know size to get the heavyweight and uh, uh, do you know what the, the real bad sign or a real weird sign for me as well is so he left Jackson Wink uh but stayed friends with Jackson and still did train with him in one of his other gyms and Brandon Gibson and all. But he went and he was like training with Henry Cejudo on that crowd for like the last, what, two years or something like that. Yet none of them were in his corner. It was, it was Brandon Gibson. It was, uh, uh, it was Jackson Wink and two other guys. It was like, that to me is very odd. Like where was that? Maybe, maybe it's just a comfort a thing of, you know, previous, he likes to have them because yeah. he had them previously. I, I don't know. It's, it is a bit strange, though. Yeah. Very strange. But comfort is the word you hit on there, and I think that's the right word because it's. We talked about three years out, and it, it would be easy to have ring rust, but not just ring rust because we didn't. You know, we didn't see much of a fight to see that. But he didn't look like he had anyway. But he had such a comfort level in there. He was 
you know, you you were, we were kind of bored alluding to maybe a little bit of panic from Gagne on the uh, on the takedown, a little bit of panic from him on falling to his back, a little panic uh, from him on getting choked. But there was no panic from John Jones. Even you know he had to have the thing cut off his toe before he got in. He was you know running around. He, uh, no one no one gets to the cage and waits longer to get into the cage than John Jones. He always goes and hugs his family, walks half a mile down the road, hugging all his team, having chats with. Every single one of them, he just looks so He's relaxed. He's been doing this his so whole life, you know. He his has, whole yeah. half of life, John Jones has been making walks for huge, huge uh, Jeopardy fights, and it's just another day for him, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Even though he's been out for a long time. You know, he's been there so many times and, you know, the, the little delay where you have to have the, the toe tape cut off and the foot tape cut off, as you just mentioned there, usually for most fighters that might put them off more, but having to wait that extra extra time in the cage maybe you know would have put Cyril off more than to put Jones off Jones seemed to be like yeah cut it off whatever and got in the ring did a cartwheel straight away he's like yeah no, no bother to me yeah indeed and it was it, it was a cakewalk after that and really easy for John Jones you know uh, we, we often talk about who's the goat and all of that and I my opinion and I'm sure we all have our opinions but this has definitely upped John Jones's uh, credibility for that in terms of you know what he's done inside the cage now, maybe people can give out about the drugs and did, everything that's gone outside. What, go on, what you say? Did you did you see um, Stipe's interview with Megan Levy afterwards? The, the most hilarious <laughs> nothing interview of all time. Yeah, it is what it is. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah well, I don't you know. know. Yeah. Yeah, you? Uh, why do you want to fight then? Oh, because they, that's what they said. Yeah. I fight yeah. him. I fight him. I'm gonna punch yeah. him. Oh, no, fair play to him. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Good job. Could, could you think the worst lad to have it? Like they've never done that before. Uh, from my recollection anyway maybe he was wearing this mad looking fucking shirt as well he yeah. just looked weird it was just like <laughs> what is going on here the, well, like the worst possible guy you could have picked to interview in that situation is Steve Emiogen like get fucking Curtis Blades or someone in there like, even when uh, they put to him when Joseph was calling him out in the cage he's just sitting yeah, there just, like he was fucking <laughs> waiting for a doctor's appointment yeah. or something like, he was like fucking hell Steve <laughs> he's like fuck. fucking hell how long have I been waiting here yeah. mate like, what's going on in there you're all nice it's the fucking first prelim I need to call him get a bit McDonald's and we go home like or something yeah but yeah it was uh, oh yeah well, no it would be a fucking fantastic fight like but yeah mm-hmm. uh, CJ's not gonna not gonna do much of the, the heavy lifting on the old promotion but it looks no, definitely not no he's good on he's good at like having phone calls in his car with his wife on embedded and that, that's kind of about it for CJ but he, he gets a know, mean haircut you know in he does he gets a lovely haircut but uh, yeah I suppose we'll talk about that fight when, uh, when it comes up and I'd, I'd be Madly looking forward to it again, but you know it's it was great to have that big fight feel back again. You know, I I did think though the promotion coming up, and we talked about it in the previous show, like I feel like the promotion for every UFC event now that we feel like is massive is less than it once was, and I think that's because the UFC don't have to do it; they don't actually care about how many people buy it and all of that. And uh, if it did, it did feel big though on Saturday night. It did feel big sitting down watching it and you know looking at people on Twitter. Twitter and people you wouldn't normally see, you know, being being a part of it and all that. So that that was absolutely great, and that's because of John Jones. And, you know, so we saw McGregor there, and we we have that coming up as well. And you know, it's uh, it's it's great to to have him back. But you know, does the, the John Jones win and performance, even though it was very short and very dominant, does it change your opinion about how a potential Nganu Jones fight would have went or or would go? Not necessarily, because like. I, I really think it's a very different fight. I, I think Jones would... Like, I think Jones would beat Ngannou, right? But 
we don't really know where Jones is right now. Like, Jones could be a, an old 35-year-old man who's slow and can't do what he once did anymore. Like, we didn't really see that last night. He didn't really prove that. He proved that he can beat a guy who was afraid, kind of on the ground, who can't grapple. I I don't think he's taken down Francis with body locks like he did here. I think he would be going, you know, he, he, I think he'd strike with him, first of all, but I also think he would be going for takedowns. He would be going for, uh, you know, double leg takedowns or single legs or putting him against the cage and trying to take him down like that and probably having success, to be honest. I get like Gany isn't really taken down like that, and that's why I thought he'd have issues because it'd be a power thing over a guy who you would thought would be bigger and more powerful than him, whereas he wouldn't play uh, a power would you game. Be against too Francis. surprised if he just did a similar thing to Francis Ngannou as he did to Cyril Gany. Oh no, maybe. not not at all. No. Especially yeah, after watching know, that last night, John Jones, John Jones. Like if he comes in motivated for a fight, it's even scarier than when he comes in thinking uh, this is going to be a cakewalk, which I think he probably <laughs> went in looking at his, his body. We've seen him in better shape than that uh, throughout his whole career, you know, out of camp even. So, yeah, I think for John Jones, it's just, it's a phenomenal performance. It's, it's been a phenomenal career in terms of how many, you know, title defenses at light heavyweight and winning this belt. But there's also uh, what could have been, you know, what could have been. It, um, do you know what it felt to me he, like? It felt like he was preparing for November for Stipe. Remember, that was, like, heavily rumoured, and then it didn't happen. And it felt like he just kind of stopped training for a while and then was like, ah, I better start training again for this one and did, like, a bit of it. And but no, Yeah, uh, yeah, probably you're probably right, but not even in this fight of what could have been. It's, it's just in the whole career of where, like, you know, from when he was on top of the world as a young, youngest ever champion to, to now, you know, even though he has the accolades, there could have been so much more. It could have been unbeatable records for the rest of time. But the records, as he, as he has now, they are beatable, you know, and somebody probably in the future or, you know, uh, at some stage anyway in the UFC will replicate or come close or beat his records when really he should have he should have unbeatable or uh, once-in-a-lifetime uh, records and performances that are kind of missing, even though even though if you look at his career fights, they're absolutely phenomenal. That just, in my opinion, he's just, you know, the most gifted, best to ever do it uh, we've seen so far. Definitely up there. But it's definitely a part of his story. I remember myself and Harry did a podcast at not the start of this year, but the start of the year before. And we kind of thought about all of that like John Jones is like a deeply flawed human being and you know he he kind of said that himself in the press conference this week it's like you know and look he was kind of like oh look we all have our issues we all have him more so than most people I think and like a lot of people didn't really want to see John Jones fight ever again because of the things that have happened first of all like the drugs which is absolutely I know a lot of people out there believe if you get caught for taking drugs you should be banned for life and you know if that's your opinion that's your opinion but also like he's, he's whole, whole stuff with his I think it was his fiance at the time that happened not too long ago he's, there's been a litany uh, of different things with, with John Jones with whether it's drunk driving or domestic abuse and all that different stuff down through the years that's like not only taken away from John Jones himself but also like making people 
you know, question whether John Jones should even have this spot. You saw Mark Hunt putting out a thing today is like in no other sport would John Jones get here. Now Mark Hunt is his own cross the bear in terms of the the UFC or his own vendetta against them, I suppose. But that's also true. Like if is it true though? In uh, all other sports they forgive the big names for quicker, no? <laughs> I don't know. You know what what like, sports do they ban people forever for I, 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 but like, does, would someone do that in any other sport? Like, I don't know. There's, there's, I don't know. I, I, it's hard to think of an example. We've had boxers like, like Mike Tyson's got well, a checkered past. You boxing know, is, um, is a combat sport. NFL guys have checkered past and go on to, you know, I don't know. Maybe, maybe there is some sports, but I don't think it's just MMA where we kind of don't, we kind of gloss over the, it's not gloss over. It's just you get kind of tired of constantly when it's constantly happening. It's it, it just becomes that uh, really happened with Jones, didn't it? It just yeah, happens it just so boring much. or something. Yeah. It's just like oh, people don't even want to hear about it. You don't even want to talk about it anymore. It's, and that's you, wrong. You just too. give it a quick mention, yeah. but you don't talk. You don't give it the the hour you should. You give it ten minutes or whatever. You know what I mean? But it just becomes repetitive and stale, even though it's a fresh <laughs> incident. Yeah, it was, and that's a mad thing to think about as well. And you know, it's people probably listen to this saying like, "Oh, why are they bringing this up and poo poo and his big moment and all?" Because I, I think it's it's fair to do that. Like for someone who's had so many incidents down through the years, I don't actually care. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe this is wrong, what? but I don't really care about the outside of the. Like the more I'd be talking about in terms of Jones being the best ever, will be the you know, the failed drug test, like not the stupid cocaine out of competition ones or stupid things like that that happened to him that I think never should have even been tested for or all that bullshit. But the ones like that were legit, you know, he failed the drug test and it wasn't like, oh, there's residuals from something or whatever. That's a different story. That's definitely wrong as well. But the the main one would be that. It wouldn't be like the, you know, getting arrested or things like that. Like that definitely is bad, but I wouldn't, personally I wouldn't care as much about that as it seems other people care about that I'd care more about the the like cheating being caught cheating breaking the rules like uh, mm. you know obviously for for um for some people that they don't care about that either you know other people care about it all and it all comes to a package where they just don't like John Jones they want them to lose they or they don't want them even to fight and whatever they're gonna make their make their voices heard and you can understand that point of view but for me I want to see John Jones because he's one of the best I want to see John Jones fighting because he's one of the best to ever do it and I, I want to see matchups I want to see how other people do against him I want to see these huge uh, matchups and these huge cards and these huge moments and you know obviously it was a bit anticlimactic this one but it was still a huge you know uh, performance a huge win and a historic win for John Jones yeah like us as MMA fans are, are hypocrites like if, if we're being honest because like you know I, 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 I'm I not the biggest one for caring about drug tests and all of that to be honest but he's been caught you know, and he, he trying to make out this week as well that, oh, it was only picograms and I've been exonerated because of the rules change. And Not really. No, you haven't really, have you? Because but What about the other ones? Like, yeah. yeah, exactly. But also, like, the things outside of the cage, not like, uh, the, the whole domestic abuse thing, not great, not good, not good. And the multiple... DUIs and drunk driving stuff. That that to me, I I think that's I hate drunk driving and stuff. 
like that. It's terrible. Like you sh- to do it once, you get caught. You're young. You fuck up. Anyone can fuck up. But to do it multiple times over years and years, you're not just putting yourself at danger. You're putting other people at danger as well when you're drunk driving, and it makes it so much worse because he's so rich and has the ability to fucking get a taxi or to pay someone to drive him around himself. I'm sure there's loads. Yeah, no, of people. In, fairness, in fairness, you're right there. Like uh, I think I've just become kind of numb to it or something. Yeah. I don't know. Like, but that definitely is a very valid point. Yeah. yeah. Because like, and it, I think it's fair game too. Like, because every time we talk about McGregor, we have to bring up those things, or and it's because of the biggest, you know, the biggest stars in the history of our sport, and we should, like, we we should bring them up, even if people, some people don't like it or tune out because of it. But you know, it kind of has to be said as well because if we forget about it, that's not good either. But anyway, look, we've talked about it, and we've talked about the fight, and uh, as Dana White said, charter him and play out of fucking Las Vegas and get him away from there. So I have, I haven't looked at my phone this morning, so uh, hopefully, hopefully, nothing happened overnight. But anyway, we'll uh, we'll move on and John Jones joins the pantheon of of double champions and you know what he uh in terms of his ability there, there's there's no one probably who's deserved it more in a, in a while so yeah it is very hard to step up weights and, and do it and he made it very look fucking hard. as easy as anybody's ever made it look so yeah, yeah absolutely like, I, I, performance. I, I was talking about the featherweights there a while ago and I had to delete the tweet because people were like oh you're just fucking sucking off Conor McGregor or whatever but like if you think about it all those the, the great heavyweights shouldn't be deleting tweets yeah I know but I just say I, I just while I did fall I wasn't up for it that time but like look Aldo move went down wasn't able to get it done one of the greatest fighters of all time Volkanovski went up Clo- okay close fight wasn't able to get it done one of the greatest fighters of all time Max Holloway at the time was fucking unbelievable went up wasn't able to get it done McGregor got it done you know John Jones got it done DC kind of got it done and then got beat twice. You know, it's, these guys are, are all-time greats. In, uh, John no, no, give, give the credit to DC. He deserves a call. Yeah, he's a great, great title defense against Derek Lewis. It was absolutely fantastic. And, and the king of snot rockets. Don't forget that. Before he got uh, destroyed by uh, Steve twice. But yeah. Uh, how, is, uh, how is DC going to react to um, commentating on a fight against lads who he's lost to four times with uh, John Jones and Steve That should be fun, shouldn't it? <laughs> anyway, I, yeah. In fairness to him, uh, I don't think it was his fault with the kind of uh, the what, what happened. What happened at the end? I think it was. Uh, oh no! I, I, DC probably had his I best night in a long while fairness, last night. Like, yeah, he was grand. Know, yeah, he, he did. I think was, the the confusion at the end wasn't wasn't the commentator's fault. No, it, it was wasn't the, the director's the director. uh, director's fault. Anyway, uh, right. Let's get into Alexa Grasso and Valentina Shevchenko. It was. Uh, is Shashinko finished, Graham? I suppose is the first question. What do you think? Um, you know, Alexa Grasso looked a lot better than I thought. I thought Shashinko would have more advantages on the feet, but Alexa Grasso's boxing was tight. She came out showing a different kind of southpaw look a lot of the time, took her unawares. Shashinko t- seemed to kind of adapt as the rounds went on and take over. She, true, she 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 seemed to have taken over, but then she seemed to get tired and Alexa Grasso didn't seem to get tired and she threw a kind of sloppy turning back kick and got her back taken, a really nice back take and, and finish. But uh, I think I think it was an, uh, an underperformance from Shushenko and a better performance than I thought Alexa Grasso would have. So it's hard to tell if Shushenko's finished, but she definitely didn't look um, as good as... as um, as I expected, but maybe that's a motivation thing. Maybe this thing's going on in the camp. Maybe it's a tough weight cut. Maybe she underestimated her opponent. There, there could be a n- number of things going on, or she she could, you know, be on the downward slope. It, it's hard yeah. to know. This I think we need one more. 
like if if the rematch happens and it, it goes similar, then yeah, I think I think we can say that. I I have a number of different thoughts. I think I I think she bought looks not great and also was on her way to winning handily enough until she fucked up did this fucking spinning back he gave up her back and got choked out like it I was think she got tired though maybe that was a symptom of like as i mentioned something happened in the camp or she definitely seemed the less fresh of the two yeah i i don't know i didn't i didn't necessarily since that maybe on, on rewatch I, I will see that but it, i don't think there's any doubt about it anyway it was that like one big mistake that got her finished in the end like she was she was winning that fight she was going to be three rounds up going into the final round like and i agree with you as well though like she didn't fight as well but alexa grasso i think fought way better than than i expected and there was one massive change that she made at the start of the fight and like i think there's a little bit of expectancy bias as we've talked about before graham the, the phrase that you kind and a lot of people say oh grasso definitely won the first and i i think she won the first but it was a close round but the the change she made in the first which she actually kind of gave up on in the for the rest of the fight not for the rest of the fight but in times in the rest of the fight she was throwing a lot less straight shots. Now, she was throwing her jab, but from a f- kind of further out area than she normally do- does. She wasn't throwing it in the pocket, but her one-two in the pocket. She was throwing it from further out and then kind of coming in, which was very smart. But what she was doing, she was throwing a lot more hooks. And she fought out the southpaw so she could throw the um, she could throw the right hook a- an awful lot better. Her dominant hand, obviously. And that was the f- shot that was landing a lot on... on um, uh, on Valentina and the big, the, the kind of, I suppose, the turning left hook when she came back into fighting out of the orthodox stance, you know, moving in and out of stances, which worked very, very well, which is weird because Valentina is the more kind of hooky fighter, if you want to say it like that. And you thought Grasso would be the um, longer, straighter fighter. And I, I think the reason why she did that is she didn't want to get caught in the clinch inside. Like, my prediction was that she would get caught in the clinch inside, taken down and uh, and beaten up badly or submitted the way, uh, you know, the way we kind of saw her taken down a few times. But she was never t- taken down once with the kind of head and arm choke clinch that I thought would happen all the time. And that happens regularly in uh, Valentina Shashinko fights. And that, to me, was because she wasn't kind of using the jab as like a pocket weapon all the time she was using it as a step outside the pocket weapon and when she came in it was more hooks inside which i thought was very very smart ended up landing three big power punches in the first round valentina shachinko landed some body kicks close round um second round in uh, well, we might as well just go through it before we talk about the rest of it early takedown for valentina and a late takedown for valentina there was a crucifix in the middle of that she moved to side control and grasso got up and i i don't know how many times we need to say it in this like side control unless you're like a kimura expert or something and there's none of them side control is dead in mma it's like the worst position you can have because everyone knows to get to a knee get to a hip you get to their side and get back up. It's side control. You you see all the Dagestani lads, the Habib down through the years. Them lads that are either in mount or they're in fucking half guard because you've so much control. You've no control in side control anymore, and that's the reason Grasso got up here. But anyway, definite round, second round for uh, for Valentina Shashinko. The third ball landed hard in early exchange, uh, exchange, and then Valentina went for like this bad takedown from halfway across the cage, fucking like Chad Mendes uh, style against Jose Aldo. And I was like, oh, maybe that's a little bit of a change in the fight. But then Valentina got a very easy double leg, went into her guard. Jason Herzog then with it, like an all-time bad stand-up. And I think Jason Herzog is one of the best referees in the world, to be honest. Uh, but um, 
this like Valentina was punching. Uh, Alexa was trying to set up a triangle. Now, now wasn't going to be successful, but she was trying. They were both fighting in that position. Why well, the fuck would you stand uh, yeah, up? Yeah, like I actually don't agree with. I don't want any kind of stand ups. Really, I don't want any break apart. And I do. I, I'm. I think. Pro-stand-ups. I think you know she had the overhook and had Shushenko had her head buried in uh, Grasso's chest. And then the ref told him stop and put his hands on them. And then she postured up and landed the punch. So it looked worse than it was. But we've seen similar ones of that before. But this one just looked worse because of that. Nah, I, I think no, I don't think so. Like, I don't, want, I don't want fighters broken up ever. I want them to, you know, you, if you got put there, you have to work your way out or, you know, whatever. That's how, that's how I feel about it. I know that isn't the rules, but, like, that's how I'd like it to be. But I do think it was a, a little early, but I think it looked a lot worse because, um, as he said, stop and... Uh, touched them. Valentina immediately took her head out of Grasso's chest and landed a, a big ground and pound shot, like to made it look worse. But I think there was an extended period where uh, Alexa Grasso was on her back with the with the overhook on the on the arm and with Valentina with her head in the chest, and they were just kind of rapid punching but each other. When Herzog gave him a warning, they did both work. And like, why are you giving just them little rabbit punches, though? Little but nothing punches. I, like, I, I I I don't agree with the stand up, but I I think it was wasn't as bad as it's. There was like extenuating circumstances to it. I think mm, I don't think so. And as I said, I'm very, very, very pro stand up and very pro breaking the clinch. I don't believe in this. You have to work your way up. But I think if you're doing nothing, if there's a stalemate, stand up the fuck. But I don't think this one. Anyway, it didn't but guys really matter. Just hold on, then though. Like sometimes, like they don't. Though like, you very rarely you, see you that did, anymore. Yeah, not not that not as much anymore. In fact, yeah. Yeah, you're right. But it, yeah, as I said, didn't really matter because Valentina got another takedown straight away, and uh, that was it. And in the fourth round. Nothing happened. Just like absolutely. And let me just see. It was 434 of the round where the, the finish happened. And just nothing happened for like the first fucking four minutes of it. There were like bits of punches, like who's winning. I think uh, Annick said it was like a minute and 35 left or something. And uh, they kind of got to like a position where they were both standing in the middle of the cage. And he was like, anyone could win this round. I was like, a fucking jab could win this round at this stage. Because just such, such little had happened. And it was funny from Grasso because at this stage, she just got back to her like jabbing from the pocket game. And it really, it wasn't working like because she, just got moved into exactly where Shevchenko would want her but then Shevchenko wasn't doing much and maybe that's your point about her being tired I need to go back and watch it again but neither of them really did much I, I think for Grasso it was kind of a little bit of the fear of getting taken down again which she probably should have after getting down, taken down multiple times one of which was an easy double leg in the middle of the cage um, but then Valentina made that massive error spinning back kick choked and it was it wasn't even necessarily a choke it was it was a, a face fucking crank and it, normally we'd say oh Jesus I can't believe you're tapping at that but she tried not to tap to it and she you, did you see the when they released it her face was just like completely white and the rest of her face was red it looked absolutely nasty a serious squeeze out of Alexa Grasso and another thing as well from Grasso she looked in a shape I've never seen her before she looked absolutely jacked she looked strong she didn't look she's like normally a slender enough body type she didn't look like that at all here and I know okay she's moved up in the last while but she I'd say she put in an absolute serious camp coming into this and I think it paid off for her not just in the fight not just in the four round but in that choke as well I think that extra bit of strength was was a big part of that and she uh she won and she won the title and, and fair play to her much you know much deserved to to win around against Valentina is a big thing to stick in there when she takes you to the ground and still be there and like even let, let's say she hadn't got the choke 
and you know it had gone to the end of the round it would have been 2-2 in during the fifth and as you said you know Valentina may be a little bit tired not fighting hadn't thrown a fucking punch in a round and a half you know so <laughs> she could have won it anyway she might have won it on the on the judges cards but like would have probably been 2-2 going into the final I know uh, all three judges had it 2-1 after the third they had the first for Alexa and the next two for Valentina so it's by no means like you know uh, whatever fights it is with the, the big knockout in the fifth round when you're miles behind in the cards or anything like that it wasn't that uh, at all and maybe people will it kind did, of see it that it did but. seem like the fight was slipping away from her but yeah it definitely wasn't yeah. it wasn't a domination and you know she mentioned you you mentioned her camp uh, there, but she mentioned that they were actually worked on that uh, specific um, counter to Valentina throwing throwing that kick, that spinning kick, and she you know, seized the moment beautifully, took the back rapidly, and as you mentioned, she couldn't get it under the chin, but she just tightened the grip, just did everything technique perfect, and Valentina's head just was 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 going red, and as you said, she really didn't want to tap, but. You could see the amount of pressure, uh, as you mentioned, when it was released, uh, and there's definitely no, um, you know, questions like there was around uh, Cyril Gagne. I don't think about that. That was uh, that was locked in hard, and she wasn't getting out of that. And Alexa Grasso definitely wasn't letting up in any way. That was her big moment. She's worked hard. You know, this is her, this is her moment, and she she, in fairness to her, hung in there, even though the the tide kind of seemed to turn against her, and you know as I said, seized the moment when it came and became the champion. Phenomenal for her and, you know, great for the UFC as well to have a Mexican champion, a female champion. It definitely opens possibilities and, you know, she definitely, you know, showed that she isn't, you know, the finished product and she definitely has holes in her game in terms of how easily she was taken down and things like that at times, but phenomenal performance by her and a huge victory and, you know, if... If they do make the, if they do do the rematch, it'll be really interesting to see how it goes. Although you asked me at the start, is is Valentina finished? Do you think she's finished? Um, no, but I don't think Confident. she's in her prime Confident. anymore. <laughs> I don't think like I I okay. think Amanda Nunes finishes finished. a bit strong. Sorry, but yeah, but is, yeah. is she is she on the way? Is oh, she she's on the definitely on the way. But like I think Shaheen Al Shadi put it up. She's been twenty years you know, fighting in fucking MMA. She's been around for a long, long, long time and how could you expect her to keep it up? Like, I, I it's funny, like, I, I, I said it on the, the state of the UFC multiple times now that there's someone out there who's going to beat Shashinko. You know, we look at it and, and remember this because every fighter we think is unbeatable until Alexa Grasso fucking submits her. Every fighter. Amanda Nunes is unbeatable. Until Juniana Pena comes around. Jose Aldo's unbeatable until Conor McGregor comes around. They're all unbeatable until someone steps up and yeah. does it. They're all yeah. fucking unbeatable. And we we need to remember that because... Matt, Matt Hamill. <laughs> Matt Hamill. But that's the joy of MMA. That's why MMA is great. That's why we love this sport. Because at any time... Someone can step up and make us jump up out of our fucking seat because there's so many different ways to do it. This isn't like every other sport where you can control every variable, where you can be flawless or, you know, be Man City and pass the ball around or be the Patriots and control the ball in offense and defense or be Tiger Woods and control your ability to hit the ball every single time better than other people. It's impossible to control everything in MMA. It's just such a 
beautiful fucking sport because of that. You Like Ian Gary even said, and we'll get to Ian Gary, anyone with a set of four ounce gloves can hit you hard and knock you out at any stage. Anyone can jump in the back after a slight mistake, get in that fucking choke and choke for their life. You know, they've been doing this their whole fucking life and that their moment is there and they choke and choke and choke and you're gone. That's what MMA is all about. That, and it was, that was, it was a, a brilliant moment. And you know, you said about she's a Mexican champion. They have three Mexican champions now. You know, with Yair and Brandon Moreno as well. Okay, Yair has the interim belt, but God almighty, get a Mexican car. Get a, I'm, fucking soccer stadiums in Mexico is what they need to be going to. Because like, we know the Mexican fans, how mad they are. God almighty, how mad would that be with a card with the three of them on it? That's a, that's a no-brainer. And like, obviously you're not going to do it because they never do things like that, but they need to fucking do it. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I just thought it was brilliant. Fair play do to Alexa. Do they have a big arena in Cancun? That'll be a bit of crack. <laughs> I don't know, maybe. We'll head out, Graham. We'll head out. But uh, yeah, we'll... Uh, uh, it's going to be a rematch and we'll talk about it at the time but I think we need to uh, you think it is going to be a rematch oh they'll have to be like Valentina has just held that belt for too long to, to not give her a rematch and I'm like anti-immediate rematches for the most part but you can't you, you can't, yeah, it, you does, can't. It, it, it does seem you just never know yeah, you just never know indeed in Gary you saw Graham um <sighs> What uh, I'll get your thoughts first. What were your thoughts in the whole Ian Gary fight? Because I've I have a few thoughts in it. Go on. Well, yeah, I think uh, he looked really good uh, for <laughs> nearly all of the fight, except for when he nearly got uh, he, when he got dropped with a big shot. And he, there was a couple other times where he, where he took a couple of shots that maybe he he was too wide open for and things like that. But um, maybe he was a little bit tentative after after he had been rocked as well. But. Uh, Besides that, he was he showed that he was on a different level than his opponent. But you know, these are these are really good learning fights. He he has another significant amount of time in the cage, and he got the finish. You know, an impressive an impressive finish in the end. Um, he didn't have it all his own way. He showed he can overcome adversity. It's it's I'm pretty sure that's the hardest we've ever seen him be hit and the most trouble we've ever seen him be in. Um, so you know, on a big stage, pressure on, a huge card. Um, you know came in there and got the job done got the finish but but also show that he can overcome adversity and these are these are learning fights you know that we we kind of hoped he'd he'd have like you know if you put him in there maybe and he makes those mistakes uh early against somebody in the top 20 top 25 maybe it, maybe it ends differently on the night you know maybe it doesn't he's, he's a tough guy he shows he, he shows he can you know come back and uh, make things happen but you know, it shows to me that they've taken the right kind of pace with, with Ian Gary. Uh, and I think he's he said multiple times himself that, you know, he's still learning. He's still he's still young in this game. And hopefully he can, can kind of continue on the path he's on uh, at the moment in terms of opponents. Uh, I, would, I would agree with all that. I think there was two negatives and two positives here for Ian Gary last night. The first one, obviously, the big punch where he nearly got knocked out. You know, we talked about it for years. He was even gave out of uh, about us before saying, you know, he's open at times to getting punched. But I just talked about in MMA, everyone is fucking open to get punched because this is a sport you can't control very well. But he got, he took a big punch. And like, obviously, that's going to be a negative. And I thought the other negative for him, um, he looked very wooden in the first round, I think, even though he was winning well and even though he was like technically beating him in the fight. I thought. I thought he looked very wooden. I was thinking in the middle of, of that that like this is Ian Gary, who is like one of the most natural fighters I've ever seen. 
and I was and like naturally very good and definitely you need I'm not saying don't go out there and throw technically well or anything like that absolutely not but there just seemed to be no kind of looseness to him which I was like if Ian Gary loses that it's a very 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 bad thing and you know, even the walkout song changing, and they were t- John Anik was talking about it. He wants to be more controlled and all of this. You can't, you can't control, you can't control an MMA fight like that. You just cannot. You cannot be in that much control, and we saw that towards the end of the first round. But to, didn't to get to the two positives, the the chin first of all held up very well, and he came back without any issues. In fact, he came back way better. And the second big positive for me, and this is a bigger thing than than any of the negatives, right, was that he had the confidence to open up any strikes the later the fight went and become that fighter that I said Ian Gary is great because of where he's not wooden, where he's loose, where he's uh, confident in throwing strikes, even though he knew the guy he was fighting had the ability to land a big shot and hurt him. He still had that confidence to do go to his perfect game that he's really really good at and do it produce it after he was hit really hard that shows that Ian Gary has balls he has a chin he has confidence in his game and he's a fighter like we always knew Ian Gary was uh, a good athlete we always knew Ian Gary was um, a very good technical um, uh, boxer and very good on the ground and very good wrestler and all of that but I think we saw last night that Ian Gary has that fight in him and we've seen it before as well don't get me wrong there's been other parts of other fights as well but he really showed it in the big stage last night now San Canan not the best fighter in the world and as you said it showed the UFC have been um you know, putting him on the, the right um uh, the right steps of the ladder along the way and there would be bigger challenges ahead. But I think it was <clears throat> it was a test, a very small a very short test, not a small test, it was a big test after getting knocked down, but he passed it with absolute flying colours. No look I saw. I think it was Andy tweeting last night. Oh, we we, uh, we saw issues early in his career with him getting t- taken shots, but they're oh he they're gone now. It's well, he still took the fucking shot like so. But like everyone is going to take a shot, but taking a big one like that. And I I went back and I watched it, and it was like he landed a shot, and then he was kind of admiring his work and got caught with it. And that's you know that that's the one you go back and look at and go oh fuck, and a one that's fixable. You know, really is fixable. Easily but, fixable. Yeah. yeah it, it's uh, it's great to see Ian Gary fighting the way he did in the second and third round, and hopefully he goes back and looks at that fight and go, "I, geez, I, I can't fight in such a wooden manner as well." Even though it was a winning manner for most of the fight in the first round, and say I'm gonna have to fight in the the, the way I did in the second and the third round. And another thing, and uh, and uh, John Anik mentioned as well, for such a big guy at that weight, and for such a tall guy and all that, his cardio is unbelievable because the pace that he set in the second and third round was massive and he was barely breathing at the end of it so to me a lot yeah, of the pop, the, the pop he had on the combination that, that finished the fight the extended combination you know you if you were looking at that on the highlight reel you wouldn't know that that was the very end of the fight he didn't look in any any different than the fighter would look like cardio wise as you mentioned at the start of a fight and you know, a re, also worth mentioning is it was a really, really nice combination that put him away. He overwhelmed him. He mixed up the shots really nicely. And, um, yeah, he he definitively put him away after, you know, as we mentioned, coming, overcoming adversity and having to kind of, you know, um, 
you know, um, work his way back into into the fight after after that. And you know, I, I I'd love to see him. We, we've talked about it before, like uh, a few times, but I'd love to see him on a on a close to Ireland or or Irish card. Uh, he was talking about fighting in five weeks. I'd probably prefer not to do that after taking a big shot like that. And maybe, yeah, I don't really know about the the latest science on the brain or whatever, but I don't think it's worth the risk hopping back in there that quick. No, but, I don't think so. Yeah. 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 I think they'll, you know, they'll give him one of those uh, suspensions that don't really count, but like... Well, you can get a doctor to uh, write it out and yeah, say, around, mate, look. I, I, yeah, I, I don't think he should be coming back fighting that quickly after getting hit with a shot like that either. I think you're you're 100% correct. John, one thing is a there's lot... There's just no need for it. There's no, just no rush. There is, you know I mean? there, no, there's no need. Do that the next time, you know, fighting three months time again and then fight in a month if you get through that one you know without without any big shot or anything and also give yourself a bit of time to reflect on the fight look back on the fight work on things in the gym that maybe you could have done better in the in the song fight you know give yourself a bit of time to to close those uh, gaps in your game that maybe you could watch on tape and and just easily kind of as you mentioned that there there's a couple of easy things but there's probably things that his coaches are seeing and that he can see watching the back that he would have liked to do differently and wants to do differently in the future. And you need to kind of train the muscle memory for them. And five weeks doesn't give you a lot of time to do that, especially when you're a big guy uh, for the weight and have to, you know, get on weight uh, again. Yeah. Um, I, so, yeah. I, I think there was two major things that went in his way coming into this as well. Like, he didn't know as much media and things like that. And I think it was kind of better to come in, you know, under the radar a little bit. We spoke about that in the previous show. But I also think... Conor McGregor showing up was actually a real help to him because in the last couple of fights, I think, and he Ian said this himself in a, in a post-fight interview uh, that like people were kind of uh, giving out about him comparing himself to Conor McGregor and all, but people don't like that. We've seen it down through the years with you know James Gallagher and Kiefer Crosby and all the fighters that have come through SBG. Like you, I, I've interviewed all of them, and you put up an interview and you see the, the first fucking comments are like, "Oh, this lad is just trying to be like McGregor." It's 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 happens for everyone, and it was definitely happening for Ian Gary, but he was kind of looking for it to happen. You know, he was saying that we're not here to take part and here to take over, and it just seemed a little bit unnatural without a shadow of a doubt, but then it was natural, because this week McGregor was there, and he came up, and he talked to him, and it was like, oh, it was a cool moment, and there's two Irish fighters, you know, coming together, and McGregor supporting him, and you know, it, it was it was very nice to see, it was very cool to see, and McGregor obviously tweeting out afterwards and stuff as well, it was just way more natural, and le- way less forced than you felt it wasn't just Ian's, you know, trying to be a part of the McGregor thing. It was McGregor being a part of the Ian thing as well. And it was really, really good. And I really thought it was, you know, if the last time it was like, oh, it came off a little bit cringy or whatever, this time it came off a lot better and a lot more natural and stuff. And I think, you know, you know, you said get him close to Ireland, get him to Ireland. Like, why are they not doing a Dublin card right now? It makes no sense. There's loads of car- lads coming through in, in Cage Warriors. You have Ian Gary, you have Johnny Walker, who could probably headline the card. You have Gunny Nelson there as well, fighting out of Ireland. There's plenty of people there you can put on an Irish card, give us a good card. Paul Hughes. The three arena. Yeah, as I said, yeah, Paul Hughes, but like, you know, if James Sheehan beats Oban Elliott, he'll be right there. Caelan Lochran is right there as well, and on the verge of probably fighting for a, the Cage Warriors title. Like, there's plenty of uh, Reese McKee as well there's plenty of lads you can you can sign there so get it done UFC get it done before we move on from me and Gary yes. you know uh, I think it was on Niall McGrath's Talking Brawls he said I believe that uh, he thinks his teammate is going to get knocked out 
uh, kind of like a gender, is it? Yeah. So that's historic. That's the first time we've ever heard a teammate pick against his uh, his teammate. Is it? Uh, I've, <laughs> I've heard of. I think so. Camera, right? we, have we ever had a? You know, when they do the picks and they ask like a teammate or a yeah, yeah. the actual guy who's going to win, and have they ever actually said? <sighs> you, that their not, teammates gonna get not, not on camera not on camera i had one recently like <laughs> I, yeah anyway one well, of off camera's completely uh, different off on camera, camera i mean i had a lad like just run me through why his teammate was going to get destroyed by the valley and he actually you know funny off his teammate ended up winning the fight but uh yeah some teammate some teammate but uh, yeah okay let's move on because we'll be here for the the night otherwise Shavka looked amazing. Yeah, but that, that's probably a bit spicy when he goes back to Sanford now, no? Yeah, he was actually <laughs> talking to Chandler there the other day as well, because Chandler was around as well. But what are you supposed to do? Like, flag. Uh, Chandler's a nice guy. Flag. <laughs> your flag over your uh, your train allegiances. But anyway, uh, Shavka, Rachmanov, and Jeff Neal. Very, very fun fight. A very fun fight altogether. Um, just a lot of power landed by both guys uh, I think Jeff Neal did a lot better than uh, than a lot of people thought but Shavkat was just too much in the end landing his big jab down through the middle big shots and then he got the uh, bulldog choke I'm calling it Kenny Florian called it a bulldog choke so I'm calling it a bulldog choke a lot of people uh, Andrew McGann was calling it, it like an upright and, bulldog choke yeah I think so what do you think of Shavkat here he showed a bit of weakness here that we've never seen before but still got through it with a uh, with a plum, I suppose, in the end. Yeah, you know, Jeff Neal, like, you know, he, he's, he brought it. Like, you know, he, he has he has some good wins. You know, he's beaten Bilal Muhammad. He's beaten Mike Perry, Ponzinibbio, Vince, Vicente Luque. He's lost decisions to, to Magni and Wonderboy. Uh, you know, th- that's nothing to, you know, to be ashamed of. He, he's a good fighter. He's he Even when he was uh, in trouble, he was thrown back with, with ill intent, trying to, you know, turn the fighter, trying to get a... a KO himself. He he was definitely game. He, he brought it to Rachmanov. <laughs> Rachmanov lost his gum shield for about two minutes and didn't didn't seem to give a shit. Like uh, just the gold standard Herb Dean was that it? <laughs> <laughs> In fairness, if you're watching the fight closely, you might not you might not see that. I don't know. Uh, to us with the camera angle, it was it was quite obvious. But maybe to him because it was on the kind of there was a black gum shield on the black kind of font. It didn't seem as as obvious on the canvas. But but anyway. You know, uh, Rachmanov definitely, you know, uh, showed he was a he he was a, a better fighter throughout the fight. But Jeff Neal, you know, was was dangerous throughout, uh, really up until, up until the end. Uh, there was a couple of times where I thought there might have been a TKO coming, and but Jeff Neal, um, you know, threw back and managed to survive. And in the end, obviously, he got finished with that choke. But I think he put up a pretty good fight, and you know, Rachmanov uh, showed us that he can overcome. You know, not having a, a, a his all his own way he, he can go very close to the distance and you know um he's had lots of quick fights uh, inside the ufc uh this one went a bit longer and he, maybe he showed that he's a bit more hittable than maybe we, we we thought but he has things he can go back and work on and cl- close holes in his games and he's he's still um obviously undefeated he's still young he's what is he like 27 28 you know he's he's got a very bright future ahead of him, and it'll be interesting to see what they do with him next. Will they will they put him into a he called out Colby Covington? Yeah, will they put him into a top upper echelon fight, or will they, you know, give him another showcase fight first? So I don't know what's the best way to go there. I think I think they'll probably try to make that Colby fight if they can. I think it'll be uh, I think it'll be fun. So 
Yeah, let's see it. Let's see it. Uh, Gamrot and Turner in a very close fight. Well, it's funny. We've gotten an hour into this podcast and we haven't talked about judging yet, which is great. But uh, this was close. I don't think... If you're calling a robbery here, you probably just bet on the other guy, to be honest, or whatever. Uh, Gamera was winning the first, and there was a big moment here that I still don't know if it was a takedown or a knockdown. Really not sure. If it was a takedown attempt, I think Gamera won the first round. If it was a knockdown, I think Turner won the I thought it was a knockdown. I thought it was a knockdown. I didn't. See, I kind of half thought it was a knockdown, but wasn't sure, so I gave the first round to Gamera. I I think a lot of people did the opposite of me, because I gave the second round uh, to Turner. I just thought he landed more power shots like there wasn't much in that crucifix a few small shots um yeah not much and then Gamrat I think for most people won the third but that was close as well I think um I think Turner was landing some good shots as well look it was uh, a fight you can score either way I think uh one yeah the second round was absolutely razor close like you can you can in my opinion pretty much give the third round to Gamrod. It was definitely close, but it was probably the clearest of the rounds. The first round, as you said, extremely close as well. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'd have to go back and watch it to, to say it was the wrong decision or whatever, but I think, you know, you can't, as you said, you can't really argue with either, with either way. I think the 30-27 is a bit, um, maybe why people were, if people were, I didn't see anything, but if people no, were kind of surprised so. by the cards, maybe, maybe that was why, but... Uh, I think twenty nine, twenty eight either way was was fair. This this is a fight though, and an example where if this was in one championship, Jalen Turner would have won. You know, if this fight is scored as a full, who made, did the most damage throughout the fight, it would have been Jalen Turner. Now we're always going to, no matter what uh, system we have, we're going to have fucking issues like that in it. But that is an example of that, and for for those people who want to say that, but it was look, it was a relatively close fight either way. But very good fight, and uh, respect to Gamrat, uh, respect to both guys for taking this fight. But uh, yeah, very good win for uh, Gamrat, and they, they both move forward. To be honest, Bonnickel Graham won via and knee to the cup, and um, it, it's very hard to overlook this because I went. I, I was looking at the time as like. Yeah, did he hit him? Did he, is he planning up? Did he hit him? I went back and watched it. It was right to the fucking cup. A really bad knee to the cup. Ended up taking him down. There was like an arm triangle for about 15 minutes. Uh, he didn't he really know how to do it. Him. It was like at a weird oh, angle. Kind of, his yeah. body was kind of arched up or something. It was some it's like weird a, positioning going on. It was like a baby anaconda. He hadn't learned to choke yet. But yeah. Uh, I, I, the uh, team of uh, Jamie Pickett has said they're going to review it, but like, when are these ever overturned? But it should be an yeah, absolute. It probably no-brainer. should be, but it's yeah, a it fucking waste be. of absolute waste of time. Yeah, <laughs> like we saw it like you can get poked in the eyes like seventeen times and and in a fight and repeal it and nothing will happen. So you're just wasting your time, basically. Yeah, waste time. But um, look, Bonicle looked as good as he can for a guy who got a takedown off a knee to the the balls. Didn't look great on the ground, like, as you said, didn't really know how to finish an arm triangle against a guy who was just there for the taking, really, who in previous fights hasn't been that great on the ground, so, yeah, I'm, I'm needing to, I'm going to need to see more from Bo, and it's not enough for he me to say. He is only, you know, four fights into his yes, pro career, though, apparently. Also, people are saying he should be fighting Robert Whitaker next, so, like, <laughs> let's <laughs> give it a bit of perspective that it's here, so, yeah. Uh, anyway, we'll move on. Drikas Duplessis, then, uh, nearly got KO'd a few times. Um, 
<laughs> and he nearly KO'd Brunson a few times. It was a mad, mad, mad back and forth. Um, there was a Cody Garbrandt fight in the middle of that as well. It was shite. Cody Garbrandt won. Uh, but he, was, he, he nearly threw it away, though. <laughs> he did nearly yeah. throw it away. Like, honest. But anyway, Duplessis uh, got the, It was a corner stoppage last second of the second round uh, after the gold standard, Herb Dean, let him take about 30 unanswered shots when he looked out on his feet tired. It was... Yeah, it was a bizarre one, but uh, yeah, look, Drickus I thought looked a bit better here than recent fights. I'm not, I'm not sold on Drickus. He is at middleweight, is the only thing. So he is probably one of the best middleweights in the world. But and Darren Brunson does like you know he does have his moments in in fights where he he, he is a difficult opponent. You know, he, you know, Duplessis is definitely you know maybe not ready for the the upper echelon yet, but he he was it was a good win and uh, you know he put a serious beating on him at the end there and. You know, we don't see the tail thrown in that often, so it was an impressive that was finish. But yeah, yeah. You know, um, Derek Brunson can be a bit of a handful, so you know he's a difficult guy to to look good against. One hundred percent, and great as you said, great to see the towel thrown in. Right time in more corners. You do that if uh, we have referees like Herb Dean there who are not willing to uh, to stop the fight at the right time. So good stuff by, by that corner. Uh, Amanda Hebestin looked very very good against Viviane Arujo and got the decision there. Barry Alt I thought looked good as well uh, against Julian Marquez uh, and got the uh, the standing TKO there as we talked about Ian Gary, Cameron Simon. Like if you're Dean Barry at home watching this, you must be thinking, how the fuck did I get disqualified and cut from the UFC after, <laughs> after Simon just basically ball kicked and I poked his way to a win. He did this in the first fight as well, or in his last fight as well, didn't he? I don't know, I've never heard of him. I think so, I think he did. I think think he he had some kind of, I can't remember, maybe I'm confused, but I think he had some kind of incidents like this in his first fight, or in his last fight as well. All I could think of is Mana Martinez looked like Scotty Jorgensen's son, and that's the only thing I could think of. Like To me, Cameron Simon looks, I know I Spencer interviewed him during the week, and he's big on him, he looks like he's very raw. Obviously, he's only eight fights into his career. He looks like twenty-two very, years old as well. Very yeah. good athlete, and I want. I just wonder if he adds a bit more size. I think he, and not even to move up to one forty-five. I think he probably needs a bit more size to fight at one thirty-five. He just seems a little bit slender, and if the guys have a little bit more power than him, that athleticism is like not going to work for him. I think he just. I don't know. He needs. He needs to add something, but as 22 years of of age, he's still grown into himself and also, yeah, uh, good performance, but also uh, you wouldn't want to see him going to chase Hooper Roos, but I don't think you will because he's a way better fighter than Chase Hooper, but that oh, sometimes we forget how big of a part of it that not just athleticism, but strength is as well and body type, and that could be an issue for Simon slightly, but I, I, I don't know, we're going down to 125 even be uh, a possibility for him if... That's kind of his body type. But anyway, we will we will see in the future. Um Tabata Ricci didn't got an Amber 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 2023. We still have Ambers, but uh yeah, she looked good. Just to keep in here. Do you know what my, my biggest fucking bugbear in MMA these days is when people pull guard and they go, go, great takedown. It's like, Jessica Pinna clearly, clearly pulled guard here in the start of this. And then, I don't know who, I think it was Cormier. I was like, oh, God, great takedown by Richie. You're a fucking Olympic wrestler, and you can't see that it's not a fucking takedown. Like, she clearly pulled guard. Anyway. She- which which fight were they talking about? Oh, well, that doesn't actually really count as an official takedown. It's like, who cares? Yeah, who cares? Yeah, it makes no difference. Fair play to Dean Thomas. I think it was like the middle of the second round. He came in here, and he was like... um, 
oh, Jessica Panay is trying to keep this fight to the ground so she can get the submission. Thank you. Like, why the fuck had none of the rest of the commentators said that for the rest of the fight? It wasn't very successful, absolutely, but that was her clear tactic throughout this whole fight. And, the co- like, the commentary team fluffed this one. Absolutely fluffed it. They just, like, completely miscalled the whole fight. But uh, it, uh, generally, they were actually good throughout the night, but this one was bizarre. Anyway, uh, Ferdinand Basharad then beat uh, Demon Blackshear. He looked good, but I don't think he is. He didn't look the level of his brother yet, I don't think, but he's still young enough and 10 and 0 as well. And then, uh, Jesus, I, I thought the fight at night was the first fight at night, like Rabs above and Esteban uh, Rivakas. Um, anyone who watches the PFL for the last few years knows like Rabzabov is a very very good fighter and he looked good here but also nearly got knocked out a couple of times uh, Esteban loses his first fight of his career after going 11-0 with 11 finishes but he's a very good fighter like this is a very tough fight to get at this stage of your career like Rabzabov will beat most guys at this level in 155 in the UFC I think he'll probably climb and maybe be borderline ranked um but I, I, I don't think he'll maybe get further than that, but he's a good, solid fighter that's been in the PFL for a good while. He got to the final one year as well, so a lot of experience and, as I said, a, a solid, good fighter there. Um, before we move on, talk a little bit about next week, Graham. Nate Kelly, great win for him over in PFL. Um, took down his opponent, mounted him, submitted him really easy, didn't take one punch, absolutely destroyed him. Got to the end and they did like this fan vote and they like a Tim Kennedy was voting on some shite as well and they didn't vote him in. It was that was a bit unfair. It was four o'clock in the morning doing a fan vote and one of the lads is from Ireland like didn't end up winning it anyway. But I'm sure, <laughs> yeah. you know I'm sure you get a shot uh, in either in the the. Um, you know, in the, the thing itself, or he'll get a shot in maybe the European series or something like that. I know, I thought there was... At least, at the very least, he'd be yeah. fighting in December, surely. Yeah, indeed. I, I don't think they have his weight class in the European series at the moment, so, you know, that'll be be an issue. But, um, yeah, great win for, for Nathan Kelly. And it, it's been a good week for... Or, or a good few weeks, and an interesting few weeks for Irish MMA. Obviously, we had Ian, and we had Nathan, and we have Danny McCormack. We'll talk about her next week, obviously. She's fighting for the Invicta title, but we had the big Bellator card as well and you know it's probably a few I'm, I'm forgetting somewhere in, in, in between and then we've Cage Warriors coming up not too distant future as well so you know a lot of uh, a lot of interesting stuff coming up for for Irish MMA as well uh, let's look forward to next week Graham and do you know what we've two good cards actually from the UFC and Bellator uh, in the UFC we have Peter Yan against Marab Jashvili we'll talk about that in a second we also have Alexander Romanov against Alexander Volkov in the co-main event that's a very good fight Saeed Nurmagomedov versus Jonathan Martinez also on this card Krilov and Span that was, I think it was supposed to happen a few weeks ago wasn't it that didn't happen it's on here um, there's a few other good fights as well I like the Tyson Nam Bruno Silva fight I like Jay Aldridge against Lipsky Rafael Asunsao is back here against Abubakar Nurmagomedov of, uh, sorry, no, he, he's against uh, Davy Grant. Davey it was Grant Car- yeah. Carlton Hughes against the backer and the Mega Man. So, not bad. What do you think of the main event, Graham? Mirab Jashvili against Peter Yan? Uh, will Yan struggle with the wrestling of Jashvili, <sighs> or should it be an easy night for him? Yeah, it's a it's a good fight. Like to find out where Peter Yan is. Is it this just a stumble? You know, uh, you know, uh, two split decisions in a row against two different opponents. He needs he needs to win here. You know. Josh Philly's coming off the biggest win of his career, a huge win against a legend in, in Jose Aldo. Obviously not the peak of his powers, but still that's going to be a, a confidence booster. He's on a good streak, but the level of competition besides Aldo hasn't been anywhere near um, what Peter Yan's been fighting. But 
if Peter Jan's what what I what I thought he was or what I th- I think he still probably is, then he should win this fight. But you know, it, it's a must win. The pressure's on, and it's a big chance for Mirab here. So uh, I'm less confident in, in in this fight um, than maybe I would have been in the, in the past. But I'd probably still go for Peter Jan. I think I will too. Like Peter Jan won our most disappointing fighter of last year, so. That, I suppose, kind of tells you where he is in his career at the moment. He needs this win. This is a massive, massive fight for him. Uh, look, I, I think Marab is massively overrated. Um, Jan has fought and beat better wrestlers than him in his career as well. And unless he's like completely lost his confidence here, I think this should be a, a straightforward enough Jan victory. I think, I think he'll destroy him on the feet, to be honest. Like, Aldo just didn't throw a punch or a kick or anything in that last fight and he left it completely behind him um, and I, I don't think Jan will do the same so I do think Jan will, will win that one uh, Bellator then have a very good card I have a full preview coming out for this over in Sherdog so you can tune in to see that but the start of the Bellator lightweight tournament is going down here headlined by Usman Nurmagomedov versus Vincent Henderson. So a big week for Abu Bakr, Saeed and Usman all fighting on the same weekend. Um, very interesting. Um, do you think there's a chance Benson Henderson can board us to a to a five-round decision or do you think he's just going to oh, get smashed? No, I think it will go to a decision, but I don't think he'll be winning it, <laughs> if you want to put it that way. Yeah, Benson Henderson's a hard out. Like He's a, t- a tough fighter. and I think it's a, it's a big fight for Usman Nurmagomedov as well because... It's kind of the first time I think he's fought a guy like Benson Henderson who will not wilt to anything he does, if you get me, even though if he, he might be losing the whole way through. And, yeah, I think, um, uh, I think it, you know, okay, Usman, um, Usman came out last time and I suppose he kind of controlled Patricky, but I think, uh, even though Patricky has a win over Benson, doesn't he, I think, but, like, Mm, Benson is a different sort of level, I think, in terms of a full five round fight. That's going Styles to be a test. as well. Yeah, yeah. So different. Yeah. So yeah, I think, I think it will be a test. But I just think Usman's jab and his ability to kick, and he, if he needs to throw in a takedown, he can throw it in as well. He is, he is brilliant. He's probably the best of the Normagomedovs on the way up. And um, yeah, I think he's a champion at the moment. I think he'll be holding that after Benson. Like this might be Benson Anderson's last fight as well because you know he's talking about giving it up. He's only a couple of fights left because of his wife is fighting now and he's like it's his hard turn to fight so you know it could be uh, (laughs) yeah it's easy to say that when you're still fighting that's true that's true uh, Tafik Masayev against Alexander Shabli then is another big fight in the 155 pound uh, tournament Masayev a kind of a switch stance hitter who can take you down and ground and pound you Shabli more of a, like a straight up one two down the middle with big power and big takedowns as well if he needs it I like Shabli in this one to be honest I, d- I think that those kind of straight shots and power should be good but if you like a good technical fight uh, even fight I think this is a one for you so it should be fun we have a rematch in between Valentin Moldovsky and Linton Vassell I asked Scott Coker who's next in line for the Bellator heavyweight title last week and he said basically what he said was Moldovsky <laughs> and then you know Moldovsky's fighting here so if he can win he will put himself next in line then we have MVP as well who I was talking to last week and not realising he was fighting fucking this week so uh, you know he's uh, this fight was only announced a couple of weeks ago as well but he's fighting Gaiyuri Yamauchi if MVP wins that you would have to think Jason Jackson is getting the next shot at uh, Amasov but you'd have to think MVP is next after that and you know what if Amasov can get through Jason Jackson 
I think Amasov versus MVP in Dublin in September makes a whole lot of sense to me because of the, re- the reaction that Amasov got the last time. I think MVP close to home. A lot of people will tra- travel over from London. I think that'll make a whole lot of sense. So uh, selfishly, I kind of hope that happens. But yeah, there's some other good fights on the card as well. A banger between Eric Perez and uh, uh, Henrique Barzola, who's always a favourite of mine. Islam Amedov is on this card as well. Uh, one for Irish fans to keep an eye on as well. Julius Anglickskis against uh, Yakshimorodov. You could see the winner of that possibly fighting Carol Moore next. They're both around the same place as him in the ranking, so keep an eye on that one if you're a, if you're a Carol Moore fan, possibly, uh, as well. So, yeah, very good Bellator card. Good UFC card. I actually have a wedding next week, so maybe the podcast will be a, uh, a little bit later, but, uh, yeah, because I'll have to get home and watch them on Sunday morning. But, yeah, interesting. Right, Graham, I think, uh, I think that's nearly it from us. We probably have forgotten something, like we always have forgotten something, but sure. Uh, Man United Liverpool, we probably mention. Yeah. I, I like Man United. Are you confident? Are you confident? I'm no, not. I'm not. <laughs> Man United are in way better form and should win. I think we'd probably both agree with that. But I like, it's hard to say that they will because with derbies, you can just throw form with the winner. Plus, Liverpool have like won their last couple of games and they're, you know, probably in their best ebb they've been in a couple of months. So, oh, yeah. What was the score the last time in Anfield? Uh, I don't know. What was it? I think it was like five. Was it five one or four one or something? Uh, Ralph Rennick fucking. Died. So hopefully, hopefully Luke Shaw and the boys remember. Uh, yeah. Pity Maguire is likely not to be there. Beside uh, to bump into people, not people over, and pass the ball to us. But uh, you know, it's a way bigger match conceding. for Liverpool. Liverpool is conceding so early, uh, so often. Like you know, obviously the last. Uh, three or four Premier League games, clean sheets, but this is that Real Madrid five goals in the middle, and it's just a, the defense is just so worrying. And Fabinho, we just need Fabinho. To, if Fabinho plays to his potential or to what he has in the past, like we'd have a very good chance here. But if he doesn't, then the defense is wide open, and Man United have players in form, and Rashford, you know. If he scores and he's nearly onside, they'll, they'll give it to him. You know, um, <laughs> if he runs beside the ball and doesn't technically touch it, but does a few step overs, ah, don't oh, worry, yeah, you that, weren't that interfering, never, mate. That you know, all that stuff going Salah, on, like you know what I mean. But uh, that never happened so, with Mo Salah uh, last year at all, did it? No, yeah, no, no, no never. He no, never didn't, no, step overs no. on the ball. While, didn't go right above <laughs> his head. Because of my while running through on goal no, before no, somebody else finished. No, never, no. But uh, yeah, I'm not very confident. But I, I, I'll, I'll grow in confidence if Liverpool don't concede early. <laughs> I'll, I'll take a draw right now. Like it's for Man United. Ooh, would you? Spur, yeah, Spurs Jesus. just lost. Just to stop us getting three points, definitely, is it? Or is it no, no, I don't. I, I, like Liverpool, just it's funny because Liverpool don't really matter to Man United anymore uh, this, this year anyway. So I don't really care about them. But like. You, know, uh, you definitely want to see us not get in the Champions League. Oh yeah, 100%. But like I, you will get in the Champions League because like Tottenham are well, we, you need to beat you need to win games, you know. You can't afford yeah, to lose many more if we're going to get in the Champions League. That's true as well, but yeah, Spurs lost, Newcastle lost, so Man United are not under any massive pressure to win the game or anything like that. So, you know, the pressure's off a little bit, uh, but like it'd be good to stay in touch with the top, I suppose. You don't think they? you can catch Arsenal, no? Um, like Man City obviously are like think, cheating like they should be discard, discarded from the, yeah. the I think the we could standings. but the, the problem with Arsenal is like every game is a cup final like every game is like a last minute winner and there's in like fairness to them though that was that, fucking pretty good oh, like that, that was, was good, very yeah. very very un-Arsenal you can't, there. You can't <laughs> that was the most un-Arsenal like, thing that's ever happened to Arsenal you can't keep doing that like when Liverpool uh, won well, the they've Astros they've never done title. that before 2-0 down and score in 98 minute winner like 3 last 4 games or something maybe not 2-0 down not 2 goals down obviously not but they've 
come back and like been very. But we've seen Man City and Liverpool do that in the past. We've never seen Arsenal. Yeah. Well, like not very recently, anyway. To, that comes to mind. Plus, like that's a that's Arsenal, a really fucking good sign for Arsenal yeah. fans. And for Arsenal, Arsenal have like five gimme games in a row now as well. They have like five relegation candidates in a row. So massive advantage. Yeah, they've won. Arsenal. They've they've pretty much wrapped up the, the the real Premier League now. Can they win the the cheated league with the cheated team in there? Like you know the. What about what, what if Man United win it? Is that, would that be fair? Yeah, that'd be fair. Yeah, they oh, haven't okay. flagrantly discarded uh, every single rule. <laughs> How many is it? One hundred and twenty-three. Is that it? Oh, uh, what? One hundred and twenty-three. How many? One hundred twenty-one. That the Man City violations, violations or something. Violations or something like that. Yeah. yeah. We have a podcast uh, and some emails that uh, have come out that aren't even in the in, in the charges. Van Dyke emails. Despicable, despicable behavior. Yeah. All right, we leave it there so because people will be giving out of us. We kept the soccer to the end of the podcast anyway, so you can't give out too much. So, uh, Right, we will uh, leave it there. Stick around after Graham gives his inspirational quarter because we have a little, bit of a, a little bit of a John Jones surprise here, so we'll uh, stick around to listen to that. But Graham, see us out with your quote for the week. Don't rake up my mistakes. I know exactly what they are. And what do you do? Well, you just sit there. Is that Cyril Gann you're talking about? <laughs> it could be John Jones, it could be Cyril Gann, it could be, it's appropriate, it could be, it could be Liverpool, it could be Man United last year, it could be anything. Take it as, take it and interpret it as you, as you wish. Indeed. Right. Good luck everyone, we'll see you next Tuesday, Sunday probably. Oh, it might be a little bit later, maybe Monday next week, good luck. Hey pussy, are you still there? That ladies and gentlemen is the future. I will beat you at anything. I'm younger, stronger, more athletic, and I'll beat you 10 times out of 10 times. So I put a pictogram on the steroid in my body. It's good that you actually believe that a microscopic pictogram somehow has has has, uh, has allowed me to become more confident. Instead of just saying John Jones's balls is way bigger than mine's, and that's why he beat me. Can you stop now? That is bad boy.